All right, Carlton fans, the old adage of taking it one week at a time doesn't apply to us anymore. We're already looking ahead. We've got a big off-season coming up, both from a, a draft perspective and a, you know, a trading perspective. And I've got a really special guest today, one of my, one of my best mates, um, met in law school and both of us uh, you know, moving towards a path in sport. I'm talking about Mike Casabana. Mike, welcome. Thanks, mate. How are you going? I'm well, mate. I'm excited. I'm very excited for this because uh, on, on the flip side to you, we'll get to you in a moment, but on the flip side to you, we've, uh, we've got a very, very tough schedule coming up for the Bulls and uh, we need to get this off-season right. Um, yes. Yeah, it's really, you, really important, I think. Yeah. And, and for you, you're, you're at the other end, mate. You're looking towards uh, another flag, potentially. Um, what's it like? What's it like being a Richmond supporter? Um, unusual. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's been a bit of a whirlwind 12 months to be honest with you. Um, what are we round 21? So probably this time last year, um, we just consolidated ourselves in the top eight. So we were back in the top eight and, and that was, um, a really pleasing thing because after 2016, I think everything that could have possibly gone wrong went wrong. Um, yeah, so this time last year, wasn't expecting too much. And then um, round 23, we played St Kilda and we'd actually dropped out of the top four. We, we had a Sunday game and um, we dropped out of the top four on the Saturday. Um, and it was it was one of those ones where we had to win to make the top four. And and as a Richmond supporter, you, you get thinking to myself, oh God, can we... Like the, the one position I didn't want to finish was fifth because you guys had knocked us off in 2013 out of fifth and then in 2015 North had knocked us off. So it was good to see the win. Um, boys did it really well. And then, then the finals, mate, that was probably, probably the best month of my life. I've got my, um, my wedding coming up as you know. So I think I can stick to for now. Uh, it was definitely what I've experienced as, as the best month, but yeah, this season, um, I don't, I don't really know. It's, it's really hard to kind of, Say so I still got every game kind of not worried. I mean, I'm I'm more confident now, and I go expecting to win, which is it's a completely different feeling. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those ones that I, I think once we get to finals, and and I kind of looking at the last two years, um, I think now the last eight weeks is imperative for every team to get right in terms of if you if you're looking at finals, mm-hmm. forget forget what's happened over the probably the first 18, 19 weeks, it's, it's the final eight weeks. So the, the last four weeks of the, of the actual season and then obviously the, the final four weeks being the finals, um, you've got, that's what you've got to get right. I reckon if you can get some momentum in these four weeks, which is what Richmond did last year, um, and then get it right um, in the first couple of weeks, um, then you really set yourself up and... And yeah, it just kind of it goes rolls from there. So hopefully, look, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. We've got the Gold Coast this week, which is an important game. And it may sound like um, you know that old adage of every game's an important game, but this is an important game. Do you know why it's an important game? Um, tell me why it's an important game. Because we haven't won interstate this oh, year, yes. and even though we're playing the Gold Coast, we need to win interstate because things happen in finals and. 
if by some chance we happen to lose week one of the finals, it looks like we're going to have to play interstate at some point. Um, most likely, obviously, in a prelim to actually make a grand final. So I, in an ideal world, would like to get one under the belt to um, before we head into finals. So, yeah, I still see this week as really important. And then also, I mean, it just means that we sew up a top two position, um, which is something that I've never seen happen in my lifetime. So I'm excited by that yeah. as well. Um, but, yeah, so that's kind of – that's the Richmond story for me at the moment. Um just taking it one week at a time. I like it. Well, I mean, for me, it's interesting. And for us over on this side of the ladder, um, we're just wanting to be competitive for five, ten minutes in a game. I mean, yeah. first two minutes, it's a tough minutes of the St. Kilda game a few weeks ago, it was nil-nil. And I remember thinking, gee, you know what? We're not, we're not out of this. Like, we've come here to play. <laughs> um, but yeah. it's all good. I'm, I'm optimistic that all good things take time. And, and Richmond's probably the well, key example. I think... If you, yeah, I think if you kind of look at it, if we relate it back to Carlton, you look at Richmond in 2016 and how we were, well, what people from the outside termed as a basket case. We, our, I'll, I'll never forget the round, the last game of the season against Sydney. We played played a lot of kids. Um, the season was well and truly over by that stage and got beaten. At one point, I think we were, we kicked one goal to 20 or 21 and it was probably one of the worst losses that I can actually remember any team going through, let alone my own team. So at that point, I kind of thought to myself, it is going to be such a long time before I see any sort of success. Um, and yet 12 months later, <laughs> there it was. So thing, it, footy's a funny game, mate. And um, you know what? All it takes is just to get a few key things right um, and things will turn. So hopefully um, it turns for, for Carlton because – as much as I like to say that being the arch enemy and I, there was a point I, I'd have to admit where I'd say I enjoyed seeing you at the bottom of the ladder <laughs> for various reasons. Um, but now I think it's probably time that we at least see Carlton heading back up in the right direction. Cause I mean, a healthy competition is a competition where Carlton are going, um, going well. So um, no. yeah. Fingers crossed. And, and it, it can turn around real quick. So nah. just a few things few things to get right, including the off-season, which is a crucial part of, of footy these days. It is a crucial part, and it's a good segue into it. And I'll, I'll, touch on, I'll touch on Carlton and our history with you in a moment. And I don't like the fact yeah. that you want us to do well because we deserve all the shit that we cop because we're an arrogant, <laughs> we're an arrogant bunch. And I'm no apologies for that. <laughs> Um, I actually still remember 2013 when we played you in the final and that oh moment God. we walked in uh, to the office, looked you in the eyes and we just kind of looked away from each other. Just We agreed to not say anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've not been more devastated after any game of football than I was after after that game. That was um, that, that one probably hurt the most. Um, and yeah, like not having lost a grand final or seen us lose a grand final or a preliminary final. Um, that, yeah, that one hurt. So it's, um, yeah. That... I can see, I can see where the, uh, where the hate comes from and I, I can handle that. I can yeah. Handle that. I mean, especially considering, I think you guys came from ninth that year as we well. Did. It was just another, sure did. another, <laughs> another, uh, another nail that was just smashed into into the coffin. So anyway, it was um, yeah, an interesting, interesting year that year. Five years later, I'm here. 
looking for some advice. And uh, yeah, I guess let's just touch on a little bit about you and your story. Obviously, you've, you've been down at the Oakley Chargers for a while now. You're working yep. with uh, yep. the under-16s there. Tell us a little bit about your experience there. So my story probably begins back in 2010 when I started coaching. Um, basically gave the game away as a player when I was oh, 18 or 19, basically. Um, got osteitis pubis and um, as an 18-year-old and, and just the body just did not hold up. Every time I tried to, to train, I'd, it'd be basically in one week out, three or four. So mm. gave that up but still found myself wanting to be involved in footy. So... Um, decided that I wanted to get into coaching and I had no idea how to do that. Um, so what I did was I went onto AFL Victoria website and looked at all the clubs in my area that were advertising for junior football coaches because I definitely wanted to go into junior junior coaching. Um, so, yeah, I ended up at a, a club out in East Doncaster called Beverly Hills Junior Football Club. Um, had a wonderful four years there. So I was two years as an assistant. I did an under 15 assistant year and then uh, a Colts assistant year, um, which is like their under 16, under 17 combined team. And then I took over the Colts team for two years. Um, and in that time also found myself coaching um, as an assistant coach at the Yarra Junior Football League, mm-hmm. um, their under 14 representative side. Um, and just learnt so much out of that because you kind of, at that point, you start dealing with what I would term elite talent for, for that age group. Yep. Um, and I was very lucky to be surrounded by some really, really good coaches, guys that were already involved in the TAC system. Um, and yeah, that kind of, not only did that teach me a lot about, um, about coaching and about um, managing and about footy in general, but also was fortunate enough to open up a path into um, Oakley. So 2013, I moved um, across to Oakley and gave away the club footy because I just found that I I just didn't have time to do both. Mm-hmm. So I did Oakley um, as an under-15s assistant coach. Um, and then it was a bit of a – it was an interesting – it was a bit of a um, – I had a lot of fun. Um, but then obviously t- um, 2014 um, – had something happen in the personal life yep. that you're you're well aware of and, and was ready to throw in the towel pretty much um, footy-wise. Like, just wasn't motivated at all um, and probably just looking at, at other areas and, and wanted to focus on other things. And then I got an opportunity to coach um, my own side um, in the Yarra Junior Football League mm-hmm. and and missed out. We, we played the grand final in my first year and... Um, we're up at three quarter time by a couple of points and ended up losing. And, and that hurt a lot. And, and I decided that I really wanted to win, win a, a championship. So I went on the next year and, and was lucky enough to have a, a very, very strong team and um, a really great bunch of coaches to work with. So we won the um, championship um, in 2016. So the, that's the AFL junior Metro championship Beautiful. Um, for Yarra. And then at that time as well, I've, I moved from the under-15s at Oakley um, and moved up with the under-16s. So, um, yeah, I've been doing the under-16s now. I think I've just finished my fourth program. When you asked me uh, before, I had to kind of get it out on the hands and work out how many programs I've done. So, I think I've, just, I've finished my fourth program there now. Um, yeah, so I've been there five years all up and, 
and I'm now a level two qualified um, coach um, and also just completed my certificate in AFL recruiting as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, just I decided to do it, always been interested in in the recruiting side of things, like follow it um, quite a lot, follow the the juniors, as you're well aware, um, and just wanted to increase my knowledge and and, um, always looking sort of to to add to my personal development as a coach and, and um, in that sort of football role. So saw that, that that course was probably the next step for me. So I went and did that and that was done at the, um, your beloved home ground of Vizzy Park. So Beautiful Vizzy Park, for, for the former for, Vizzy yeah, Park, yeah, where, where premierships were born and made. Yeah, that's that. yeah. <laughs> well, they were anyway. <laughs> um yeah, so I did that, and Brad Lloyd, who is the um, head of football at Fremantle, he he actually ran the course, which was really good. And Mark Murphy and Kate Simpson were actually doing the same course, so um, yeah, it was really good to kind of bounce ideas off off guys that most of them were were in the industry either as recruiters or um, you know, as I said, a couple of players that were either playing AFL or BFL that wanted to look into a different path, um, and then. There was me who just come from was there as um, just someone who probably just wanted to do it off his own bat, and um, I was actually fortunate enough that one of my um, close mates also did it, who I coached with at Oakley. So we had a great time, um, and it was good to to see the like how they actually do it in the industry and, and what they talk about and, and what they they kind of focus on and, and look at. So. Had an absolute ball and actually, funnily enough, the certificate came in the mail today. So I'm now fully, well, I'm as qualified as you can be. Congratulations, so, mate. That's, yeah. uh, give you kudos there. Shout out to, That's shout pretty out much. to, shout out to Murph and Simo who are uh, <laughs> yeah. listeners of the show. Uh, very big fans. Oh, I'm constantly so. getting tweets in from the two of them. So thanks, boys. <laughs> <laughs> good times. Very so, good times. So basically, I mean, you're here because we want to know a little bit about the next crop coming through. Yep. Um, obviously yep. you had a, had, you've got great experience. Uh, you would have had a look at the carnival this year and, um, yep. overall on a high level, what's the theme of this draft? Are we looking at long-term prospects? Are we looking at immediate impact? Are we looking at midfielders? What, what are you, what's your general feel of the, 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 the new crop coming through? It's a really good question. And I've thought about this and it's kind of, one of those drafts where, and this draft was kind of thrown around as being a bit of a super draft. Mm. And and one of the things that I find interesting about the term super draft is, well, what is a super draft? Like what, what do you classify as a super draft? Is a super draft the top saying that the top end talent goes so deep or is it that the top end talent is better than any of the top. So you say your top five is better than any of the top five from the last five or 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, is it that you bat your top 40 um, are more consistently good? So it, it's really, um, it's an interesting term that gets bandied around. Now, from my perspective, I don't think it's a, an area, like it's not focused on one area. So it doesn't have, like it's not really strong for key positions, um, there's always midfielders, right? Yep. So, and and the thing with that is that at junior level, most of the time, the best players or the kids that are most talented play where in the midfield. So 
That's why it, generally most drafts will be full of midfielders. However, in saying that, there are some key position talent, like the the top line key position talent is probably as good as as what there has been in a while. So, um, yeah, it, it's a really it's an interesting draft, and I'm actually really looking forward to it. Um, but it'll be interesting also to see how the Knights run because, of course, this year they're introducing live trading of picks. Yes. Um, which is going to be, yeah, it, it's an, it's a, I, I like the concept. I think we need to move closer to the way that America does their, this style of, of event. But yeah. I so for those I, who aren't aware, basically the, the key changes are you can trade your picks before you make them. Um, you can trade up to a future first, a future pick by I think it's one year in advance though it's not like the NBA yeah. where you can trade a future first round pick two or three years in advance so yeah it's um, live trading before you make the pick um, one year in advance um, once you make the pick you can then trade but I think there's a period after that um, and also the, the key difference is there's a second day that's been added to this year yeah so the the one thing that they are, I think they are cautious on is once a player has been picked, they can't be traded. So if I go in and I pick someone at like, let's say I pick a Sam, can't go in and pick Sam Walsh at pick one. Yep. Um, they cannot, Sam Walsh cannot play for another football club in 2019. So you can, yeah. So, and for instance, Gold Coast, they might trade their, their pick two, before they pick the player, but once they yeah. pick the player, they can't trade him. So that's okay. it's going to be interesting. And I'm not, I think that they're taking a really cautious approach. Um, and I'm not sure, to be honest, how much live trading will actually go on. I yep. feel like it's going to be really cautious early on. Um, clubs are traditionally really cautious, uh, I, I've found. And, and I think to, to try to see a live trade. Um, I'd be interested in the scenario, particularly because we're talking about just picks, right? So it'll be interesting. Will clubs look at, okay, um, Western Bulldogs have pick six, but we're up to pick three or pick four and um, they've just realised that the player that they thought was gone, that was going to be gone in the top three, is now not gone in the top three and is still available at pick four. Do they then you know, trade pick six down um, and what do they add on top? Or do they say, well, we're going to back ourselves in to finish above the bottom four next year. So let's trade our future our future first round pick next Got year, it. keeping in mind that they might finish bottom and that pick might be pick one. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see it. I think it, I think there's there's going to be a um, a lot of caution around with these trading of picks live, um, but still it, we're, we're trading the right way. So, um, yeah, very interesting. And the I don't know if I like the two day the trade over sorry the draft over the two days. I think that's I don't know. I I kind of put myself in a position as as a a player that's eligible, and it's kind of like well. In the past, they've had the draft and then they've had the rookie and preseason draft on a different day. But to me, I'd just rather see them get it all done, whether or not they, that means they start at 5 p.m. one, at, you know, on a, a Friday night and don't finish till 11. But 
Um, that's the way they've gone. They've decided to go. So, we'll well, so what's going to what happen on the second day? Are we talking about the actual draft? Kids are going to have to wait. Let's say they do. Yeah, yeah. So, so what's happening? What's what I what I believe is happening is that they're having the first round on the first day. So only the first round. Okay. So picks one to eighteen will be the first day, and then picks nineteen onwards plus the rookie plus the preseason draft will be the next day. Okay. So yeah, it's See, interesting. For, for, for me, I want to know straight away which four players are coming into the side. Correct. You know. Correct. Um, of course you do, and yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I don't know whether they're trying to keep the uh, attention on it, but as a fan, you kind of don't want to have to have to wait. So. Anyway, that's what they've decided to do. So, uh, you know, you and I, we just have to sit here and, and wait and see, um, see what happens. So, um, but let me tell you, looking at the top five or six players available, the, there's some seriously, seriously talented players. Um, and there's talented players across the board, but, but that first five or six, they are some really good players. So, it's crucial. It's a crucial, uh, it's a crucial point of the draft. Well, yeah. Um, now, Let's talk about the, the championships because I don't think they all played. Uh, I think, you know, a king is one of the top five projected, right? Yeah. So there's there's yep. one of the so, there's two kings, but. Uh, yeah, there's, there's two. Yep. So um, Max King didn't play. So he did his ACL earlier on in the year, I think playing school footy. Mm-hmm. Um, but his brother, Ben King, did play. So um, Max is probably the, the number one player that, that didn't play. Um, there was also another one, another highly touted player. I think his name's Jai Caldwell for Vic Country. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't really get to see much of him either. So they're probably the two that are floating there or thereabouts um, that we didn't really get to see much of. So it's always interesting the way that clubs will approach those players. Um, some clubs have seen enough in their set under-17 year to say, you know what, we're, we're just going to back our initial thoughts in um, and, and quite often one thing that I sort of, one thing I took out of that recruiting course is often it's your initial perception of a player. That's probably your best one. Yep. Um, so I don't think Max King not playing is going to cost him much at all. I, I think I'd be very surprised if Max King was still there at pick number six. So yeah, I, wow. think, I think we'll find that he'll go, um, he'll go early on. So yeah. especially those tall forwards, they're, they're a rare commodity, right? Like the talented tall forward. Um, yeah. It's rare to have have many of them. So being if there are three there, um, which I think there are, I'd be surprised if any of them are there after the Western Bulldogs pick at pick six. So, yeah, yeah okay. that, that's kind of um, – Max and, and Jai are probably the two that missed out on the carnival. But otherwise – um, yeah, there were, there were some really impressive performances. So, how did you um, see I don't the know carnival where... as a whole? What was your what were your thoughts uh, coming out of it? Um, what did you go? Yeah, what was... did you go into the carnival thinking? What did you come out of the carnival thinking? Um, so interesting one. I was I'm interested in the allies concept because mm-hmm. traditionally, I think they only started the allies either last year or the year before, mm-hmm. um, and it hadn't it hasn't really worked a lot. Um, in the past, but this year they're actually quite competitive and there are actually some players out of the allies that um, played, performed quite well. 
um, and made the All Australian team. In fact, I think I, I don't have the All Australian team in front of me, but I'm I think probably behind South Australia, maybe Victoria. They may have had this, the most players um, in there. So, and and the reason they do the allies just to give you a bit of background. <clears throat> the, traditionally, what they used to do is they used to have. Vic Country, Vic Metro, WA and South Australia in one division. And then they would have Tasmania, Queensland, New South Wales and the Northern Territory in the other division. Now, that was all well and good. And then they used to play a couple of games um, against teams from another division. And it was all well and good, but it, it kind of didn't allow the recruiters and the clubs to see the players from Division 2 against the players from Division 1. So you might have guys that are performing well at a Division 2 level, but when they actually come and step up and play against Division 1 players, they're probably not as good So or they weren't performing as well. So the whole idea of the Allies is to basically have a team that consistently plays against the Division 1, um, the other Division 1 team, so that then you're, you're actually marking kids based on... Um, their ability to perform against the best. So that was kind of the idea behind the Allies. So I actually think that worked really well in this carnival. Um, and you know what? Uh, and I'm sure this was done deliberately by the people that know um, the juniors well, but it just so happened that going into the last round, um, South Australia and Vic Metro were both unbeaten and they played each other. So um, traditionally there's never been like a real grand final um, in under... 18 national championships, but this was basically a grand final because both teams having been unbeaten um, got a chance to, to pretty much, it was winner takes all. So that was something that works really well as well. Um, but yeah, obviously like most of these under 18 championships are, are done not to win, um, not to win trophies. They're done to, to showcase the talent. And, and I think this year um, it really did. So I was really impressed with the standard across the board. Um, and yeah, like players probably came up. Like there are a few that probably their stocks rose quite heavily. Um, and then there might've been a few that were highly touted that might've just slightly dropped off. So um, how, bad, how much to of see. impact can a bad uh, tournament have on a, on a, on a prospect? Um, it depends on the clubs, I suppose. And it depends on, on the player as well. And, and you kind of have to look at why. So there might be a reason why that we don't know um, as just your, your regular fan. So there might be that a player is carrying an injury um, or there might be that something's happened in, in the background or, or it might just be that players, players had a couple of off days but goes out and, and dominates at, you know, at senior level basically every week. Um, so... It's about understanding the story about why they didn't go well and then making a judgment there. If you, you're kind of sitting on the fence and you're not sure if you're going to take a player or you're not sure about a player and they don't go well, it probably means that they do slide. Um, but if clubs are quite keen on players, they're keen on them for a reason. So I don't think that will have as much of an impact um, if they have a bad, bad carnival. But again, it... It really depends on the player and the clubs that are interested in them as well. So, um, yeah, that's that's probably my take on it. Okay, okay. So, who was your? Uh, who do you think was one of the you know the, the top, let's say, three performers of the of the championships? 
Yep. So my probably top three of the championships would be Sam Walsh, um, Luke Valente. Um, Sorry, who and was that then one? Luke Valente, yep. so South Australian uh, captain. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you could probably raffle between um, Isaac Rankin, Jack Lacocious, and Bailey Smith were probably the other guys that that had really good carnivals. So they were the ones that that, that impressed. Um, South Australia won. Um, and Isaac Rankin in that last game against Vic Metro played one of the best under-18 games that you could probably see. Um, so he had, he basically had, he, he had 17 disposals, but kicked five goals, yeah. um, including three first quarter goals where basically set the game up for South Australia. Like Victoria were always chasing from that point onwards. So, and that, that will be, um, that's what will shine to recruiters. The fact that he's been able to do it in a big game, knowing that, you know, it, it is the best against the best. You're playing a team that's also undefeated. It is kind of a mini grand final. That's going to stick out. And that's why I think, well, as you'll hear a bit later on, I've got him right up in in my so-called uh, phantom top 10 at the moment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so Rankin, Lacocious from like South Australia, you... Most Carlton supporters by now, I think, have heard all about him. So yeah. he was he was really impressive. Um, and there are a couple of other guys like Jackson Haitley, um, who's a midfielder, and um, Jez McLennan off halfback were, were also impressive for for South Australia. And then Vic Metro were the, the second best performing side. Um, and Riley West, who's probably going to be father son for the Western Bulldogs, I'll be pretty happy about that. He was quite consistent across the board um, mm-hmm. and ended up getting picked in the all Australian side. Um, Isaac Quainor, who I've had, boys, yeah. With, yeah, I've had a little bit to do with him at Oakley. Um, really good player, Isaac. And, and one of those guys that is just, I, I saw him play when he was 14 and, and he has improved every year, which is a really good sign. Um, so, um, yeah, he's he's right up there, and he's actually tied to Collingwood's Next Generation Academy. Okay, um, so I expect a bid will come for him soon. Oh well, well yeah, like relatively high um, in the draft. And then um, Ben King was was also really impressive for for Vic Metro, um, and Bailey Smith I thought was um, was probably their best um, across the board. Um, yeah, so out of out of him and Riley, they were probably the two most impressive midfielders. Um, and then there are a few few other Oakley boys that I've got soft spots for that I have to probably mention. So you've got James Rowbottom, who's a midfielder, very clean, um, he's you know highly skilled player. Um, Joseph Aiton Delaney, who's a defender slash midfielder off a half back line, um, he tends to play. So he was also um, really clean and, and quite impressive in that game against, I think, South Australia. Um, and then Noah Answorth, who's a bit of a bull. Um, he contested beast and will compete for you nonstop. Um, and then we've also, we had Riley Collier-Dawkins, who's um, a tall mid, mm-hmm. um, one, 193 at the moment. And has, he's really developed and grown as well um, compared to where he was at in the under-16. So his last few years have been really impressive. And then two father-sons to, to finish off. So Will Kelly, who is uh, son of Craig Kelly, brother of 
um, Jake. Okay. So he'll, he'll most likely, well, he's tied to Collingwood. So it'll be interesting to see uh, where, where bid comes for him. But I think he, he played, he spent a fair bit of time on Lacocious, especially early on um, against Vic Metro and did quite well. So he might find himself um, in top 25 calculations. And then uh, Ben Silvani for, for Carlton, One of our boys. Son, bro- brother of Jack. So yes. he also got a bit of time, um, yeah, on, on ground for Vic Metro. So that was pleasing to see see Ben um, get some game time as well. So he's... He's he's a big boy, Ben. I was standing next to him a couple of years ago now, and um, yeah, well, he's taller than Jack, him. right? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. I think he's about he'd be one ninety four okay. five. He'd be mid one nineties at the moment, um, and yeah, really really good kid. Um, we had him, I had him at under fourteens in for Yarra, and um, he actually played on a wing for us back in under fourteens, um, yep. and then he's basically just come into the Oakley program as an 18 year old. Um, So uh, he didn't, he didn't do the under 16 program with us. Um, But yeah, he, he's one that I'm sure he'll, he'll get an opportunity and um, I'd look for his development to kind of be probably similar to Jack's. It might, might take a little bit of time, um, but he's, he's a very, very impressive player and, and can take a grab and he's just a big, big body and, and big unit. So um, yeah, I think there's a little bit of excitement to be had there for Carlton supporters as well. So they were probably the main two teams. And then um, it'd be remiss of me to not mention um, Sam Walsh, who played for Vic Country. Um, oh, tell, tell us more, please. <laughs> dominated the carnival. Yep. Um, and he is Trent Cochin version two. So okay. he moves like Cochin. He plays like Cochin, he hunts like Cochin. Um, he is a very, very good player. Um, yeah, so he – and Country had what they'd probably term a really disappointing carnival, mm-hmm. um, and he was a standout for them. So – and then they kind of had like, a couple of their players that, that we'll probably hear more about. Oscar Brownless, who's father-son to Geelong. Um, Kyle Reid, who is probably – in that next level of key position players, so he's probably not at the Lacocious or King level, but he's probably that next level. So I'd expect him to get some opportunities. Um, and Bailey Williams as well is in is probably in that same level of, of key position players um, around the probably the fifteen to thirty mark, depending mm-hmm. on where clubs kind of have them. So um, that were there's kind of the guys that. Perform for Vic Country and then WA, they're a bit of a, an interesting kind of um, team, WA. I didn't get to see too much of them, but um, read a lot about them. And one of their most impressive performers was actually a, a bottom age player who made All-Australian team called Jeremy Sharp. So he's one to look out for next year. Um, but the guys that are probably there or thereabouts this year, Ian Hill, who is brother of Stephen and Brad, mm-hmm. um, You've got Luke English, who made the All-Australian team as a midfielder, um, was probably their most consistent with Jordan Clark, who also made the Australian team um, playing off a half-back flank. So um, they were probably the standouts for WA. And then the Allies boys, well, they, the, the Allies are always taken with a grain of salt because most of them are tied to academies. Okay. So... Um, 
the ones that probably aren't um, – who have I got here? So Mitchell O'Neill I don't think is tied to anyone. He might be NGA. Um, so he made the All-Australian team. Um, and then just some familiar names like Nick Blakey played, um, played well. Chase Jones was also impressive. Um, Jacob Kaczynski, so cousin of Justin. Okay. Um, and um, Bailey Scott, who it's one of those funny ones where he can actually go to Gold Coast as an academy player or he can nominate North Melbourne under the father-son or Geelong under the father-son. So he's got a decision to make in the next um, next few months, I'd say. Um, so they were probably the guys from the allies that impressed. So all in all, really um, good carnival, a lot of talent, and it will be a good draft. I, I think this draft will probably, will probably see 70 plus, 70, 75 players um, move into, into the AFL system. So, and that's always a, a strong draft. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether or not there's any mature age players that come through as well. Because as we know, Tim Kelly yeah. has performed really well yeah, um, coming into the yeah. system. Yeah, He's been great. So, yeah. And, and it's not a bad option sometimes playing the tw- – like picking a 21 or 22-year-old because they're a bit more mature as well. So, yeah. and, you, and at that stage, they kind of have all their strengths and all their weaknesses. So, you, you can't – what you see is what you get. Whereas yeah. with 18-year-olds – there's still a lot of development um, to go into them, so yeah, that's kind of kind of where I, I see um, see the the main contenders, if you like, for for those um, those top twenty or so spots. Yeah, um, and just with yeah. your guys, so obviously in your experience, um, do you just know when you get a kid that comes through at under sixteen, like, yep, he's going to play AFL, and then he just does? I mean, has there ever been a player that's just convinced you from the moment you first saw him play and then he subsequently went on to, to play AFL. Have you had a lot of that? Yep. Um, so early on before Oakley, I was fortunate enough to have Christian Petrarca play a couple of games for my club side yep. because that was his club side. And um, he was one that was like straight away, you just knew that the, the guy be- belonged at AFL level. Yeah, wow. um, so Petrarca was one. Um I actually coached Tom Phillips for a, for a few years. And, and Tom, who plays at Collingwood now, has had a fantastic year. He's one of those players that actually, again, very um, similar to Isaac Quainor, where he just developed every year and got better and better and better. Um, and it, I think I first had him at 16. And probably when you saw him at 16, he, you, wouldn't have, you wouldn't look at him and say straight off the bat that he would have played AFL. But then he got better at 17 and became a really solid player had a really good year at um, 18 and playing for Oakley and actually missed out on being drafted and then went back to play at Oakley as a 19-year-old and basically knocked the door down and I would have been – I would have fallen off my chair if he didn't get drafted that year. So that was kind of the the flip side of players that have just developed really nicely all the way up and that's always a really impressive thing and he's actually continued his improvement Um so and and Jack Higgins is probably the most recent one who um, I, I obviously have a bit of a soft spot for being at Richmond, but um, Jack I coached him at under fifteen, under sixteen level at Oakley, um, and we just knew that he he was going to be a really good player, and um, he's got a work ethic like no one 
that I've seen. So he's a fascinating um, one because he set this precedent. Uh, I mean, I, I, I can only assume uh, I can only assume that he's the first to do it. He didn't go to school. He focused on footy in his you know year twelve year. Um, yeah, I don't know if anyone else has done that, but he's setting a really good precedent for that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's interesting, and um, I suppose people, um, different people are going to have their different opinions. But at the end of the day, that's what Jack wanted to do, and um, he always knew he wanted to be a footballer, and um, he and and we knew basically from when we saw him at fifteen and sixteen that something would have to go um, quite wrong for him to not make it, and um, he just has a, a work ethic that. Um, it, it, you just can't even actually compare it to anything at, at junior level. Like the guy worked so, so hard um, to fix every facet of his game, whether it was his speed or whether it was his skills um, or his game sense, he did everything. He was the first guy on the track and the last guy off the track and he would put in time outside of training and you just knew that he was going to make it. So, yeah, fascinating. And and when when he got through at pick seventeen last year, um, it was like Christmas had come early for me because I knew how good he was. Um, so I knew that he was just going to make it at AFL level regardless. And and probably the one knock on Jack has always been his size, but you know he he's shown that it actually doesn't matter now. And um, and I think a lot of players, it's a credit because I feel like AFL was going one way about four or five years ago yep. where they'd almost rule out anyone under one. If you were 180, you had to be a damn, damn, damn good footballer. And, and you still do, but um, these days, I think clubs are more open now to picking players that, that are under 180 if they've got the right attributes, which which is what they should be doing anyway. So, um, yeah, he's a great, great kid, Jack, and, and couldn't be happier for, for how he's going at the moment. So... Um, he he'd be another example, and of the of the ones now that are probably there that um, I've seen at at Oakley. Um, as I said, Isaac Quainall is one that's just improved nonstop. James Rowbottom um, was was a really good player for us at under sixteen level. Um, so was Joe Eight and Delaney. Um, yeah, so those two are probably the ones that stick out. And Noah Answorth, he's he's a nineteen year old this year, so he. He's a year older than most of them. Um, but he actually broke his back last year, Noah. So um, he was unlucky to not get drafted last year just based around the fact that he just didn't play much footy at all. So um, he was one just really tough as nails and defensive side of game probably as good as what there is at, at that level. So um, I'd be surprised if he he doesn't go. But there are a couple, couple coming through. Um, we've got a, a bumper couple of years uh, I think from an Oakley perspective where there's some decent top end talent coming through. So it's a definite watch this space. Cause I think next year we will, we should have a, a really good draft. Um, yeah. We, we, we've had some, some good talent come through of late. So yeah. we'll just hope to continue that trend. Um, Cause they do have a really good system okay. um, down there. So yeah, no, that, that's probably my outlook from, perspective of players that I, I know and that I've, I've come across um, at Oakley, they're the ones that, that I said that probably impress me the most. So, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's, go, to, let's, yeah, let's go to the draft. Um, now, did you say you had a top 10? 
Yeah, I do. Okay, I do. Great. So I, I put, I was put together a little. Five, but uh, you're no, I like it. I, like I did. It. I did. Now I'm going to put an asterisk on this top ten because you and I both know that clubs at trade period love trading picks. So um, the top ten is as it stands at the end of round twenty. Okay. Um, however, however, I have given Gold Coast an additional pick for their compensation as Tom Lynch has already announced that he's leaving. So I've given them pick two and three. Okay. Wait, I need to ask you about this because uh, you're clearly involved. Are you excited? Are you, uh, I feel like he's definitely going to Richmond personally. Um, Yeah. um, I'll be excited if he does come because I think he's a really good player. I'm not sure that he will come. Um, Yeah. It's an interesting one. Oh, like he, he's a really good, really good player, and any club would take Tom Lynch, without without a doubt, right? Like you wouldn't even think twice about it. Um, I just don't know if he's going to pick Richmond, so I'm trying not to get too excited about it because obviously we've got bigger fish to fry at the moment. Anyway, I think I think if we weren't in the finals race, then I'd be much more focused on it. Um, yeah, that's true. But but um, yeah, it's kind of it's an interesting one because. Everyone that's not a Richmond supporter seems to tell me that he's coming to Richmond. Um, so I don't know. A part of me just thinks that there's a little bit to play out just yet. It's similar to that. You remember how Buddy Franklin was supposed to go to GWS? That yeah, year? I, yeah, yeah. Surprised us all. So yeah. So I don't know. I think until he nominate, and even then, you know, Gold Coast might turn around and say, "Well, actually, you know what? We want to trade for him." So then I think things get more difficult. But I think if I were Gold Coast, I would take my pick three and I would run with it. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. He's a, he's a really good player. And I think Collingwood and Hawthorne are right in the mix as well. Um, so, yeah, we'll let that play out. I hope it all falls I'm to sure. shit and he just, um, you know, finds his way at Carlton personally. But <laughs> they can match the you offer, would. Right? They can match the offer and ask for a trade. Yeah, of course they could. Restricted still, right? Of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and then he'll have to play. Yeah, basically, Carlton will have first dibs at him um, in the uh, preseason draft. Yeah. Or let me throw it back on to you. If he nominates himself for the national draft, do you take him at pick one? Haven't thought about that, have you? No, I haven't thought about that. I've thought about whether I would want him, and I really do think he's a, he's a gun and a superstar. I just, I don't know. I feel like we've got the forwards that we're going to move forward with. Um, yeah. I feel like... Uh, uh, yeah, it'd be an interesting one, wouldn't it? Because mm-hmm. he would... Yeah, like he's in a tough predicament whereby Gold Coast, the next cab off the rank. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he wouldn't want to not, do you know what I mean? So it's, it, look, it's going to be entertaining as all hell, um, I think. And trade period always is because something always happens yep. um, that we don't expect. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a watch this space. But to be honest, I think if you're the Gold Coast, especially where their club's at at the moment, yep. the best thing they can do is sort out the deal. Whether if you want to trade, make sure you've spoken to the team that he's nominated. And similar to that, the Adelaide Geelong thing, right? Like they knew that Dangerfield wanted to go. So they got, they organized the trade and they did the trade so early on that it didn't hold up anything else. Yeah. 
So if Gold Coast are going to go down that path, that's what they need to do. And they need to speak to whether it's Richmond or Collingwood and make sure they're on the right, they're on the same thing. Because if it, if it drags out, it doesn't do them any favours. It doesn't do the club he wants to go to any favours. And it just it actually probably holds up the rest of trade period. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting one. But that's if I were Gold Coast, I'd say, you know what? You go, we get pick three, and we just move on. Yeah. Take it, yeah, yeah. You can start. You can start. So, get a bit of closure, and then you can just start fresh. And then they can they can deal with they can use pick three as a as an as a bargaining chip in the in the trade period. Yeah, absolutely. Because I I think they're not going for what the teams that uh what the teams that he's looking for what they have in terms of currency. I don't think they're going to get anything better than pick three. Yeah, and they're not. They're not going to get. They, they're not going to get Dustin Martin, so they can forget that as well. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's go. So, let's, all right, uh, so let us hear your top ten. Okay, so at, <clears throat> this is current. So this is likely to change, but pick one. I've drum roll, Sam Walsh. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, at I Carlton, I love Lukosius, but uh, Sam Walsh just it feels like he's a leader of a midfielder, and we kind of need yeah. That. Yeah, I, I look at your team and I look at you've got a Kerno up forward, you've got Harry McKay up forward, you've got Jacob Weedering down back. You what you don't have is help for Patrick Cripps. Um, you you might have some younger players that are coming through. Zach Fish is one that that impresses me. Um, but Sam Walsh, look, he's not gonna he's not gonna be a thirty possession plus player next year. Mm. But let me tell you. He is going to be one of the best midfielders probably going around in five or so years' time. So yeah, wow. I, I just I just don't think you can go wrong with him. And I think with pick one, you just want to be sure. Um, and he's he's the surest bet on the board. Mm-hmm. So that's my pick one. Um, Gold Coast uh, pick two. I've gone Jack Lacocious. Mm-hmm. Straight replacement for Tom Lynch, right? So they lose Lynch. They get Lukosius in as that center half forward, full forward, um, key target. He's the best key position player in the draft, um, and I just think it, it makes sense, right? Especially considering there's a possibility that Stephen May might leave as well. So they don't want their key position stocks to be much lower. They've got Peter Wright, yes. They've got Rory Thompson, but you need to build your side around some big big guys. Um, and I think Lukosius is the best. In the draft, um, at that, and and I still think at pick two, you pick the best players. Yep. Right. So, and I think I honestly believe that Jack Lukosius is the best player at pick two that would be available. Um, pick three. So this is where it gets interesting. So I've gone to again to Gold Coast. I've actually gone Isaac Rankin, um, right? Based on the fact that he's a South Australian boy, Lukosius is South Australian. I think the key for them is to try and keep players together that have played junior footy together. Brisbane have gone down that road recently and a lot of the problems they had around the go-home factor um, has actually disappeared because they've picked big country boys um, who have played together. Yeah. I think we did right? last so, Dowin O'Brien. Yeah. I mean, so it's different. It's We're one, in Melbourne, but it's different yeah, yeah. situation. But yeah. And I, I just think that at, at three, Rankin is... He's an X Factor star. He's similar. He's in a similar mold, I suppose, to Jack Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he is a goal-kicking midfielder. He can go in. He's, he's brilliant. Um, and he's going to be inconsistent initially. But you know what? The Gold Coast need marquee players. This guy is going to be a marquee player. He's going to bring people through the gates. Okay. Um, and I think being... I think if they can get those two picks back-to-back, they've got to go... If they go Lacocious, I reckon Rankin makes sense because he's a midfield type and he's from South Australia and... I just think that it just it's a it's almost a marriage there, right? So you get the two South Aussie boys over there. You start building. You you almost regenerate your team with those two, um, and hey, maybe even down the track. I don't. I haven't really looked f- much further down, but maybe if they try and keep a South Australian theme, if their next pick, if there's a, a South Aussie that falls in their next pick, then at least they can try and build a culture around players that already get along and already know each other. So I reckon that's really important for them this year. They've got to get that right because if they're not careful in five years' time, they're not going to be around. Interesting. So pick four is Brisbane at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, This is going to cause some controversy in the sense that I'm going Ben King over Max King because um, he's the one that's got the runs on the board at the moment. Um, So... Ben, so Ben's a but Ben's a defender as well, right? He's both. So he's he's a bit more dual. So he was a defender, and then when Max went down, he actually went forward. So he kicked. He went five goals against WA. He kicked one goal against the Allies, which was the match-winning goal. Two goals against Big Country, and then four goals against South Australia. So he's kicked twelve goals in four games across the carnival. Um, so he's dangerous as a forward. And he can also play back. And I just look at Brisbane's team and they've got Hipwood and they've got Harris Andrews. Um, and then they've kind of got McStay who, who is in that, that next range. But I just think Ben King is, he can, he can be what they want him to be. So if they want him to be a forward, they can probably turn him into a forward. If they want him to be a centre-half back, they can probably turn him into a centre-half back. So um, I think he makes sense. He's really strong. He's a big boy. Um, and I just think they've finally got their culture right there. Um, and I don't think he would be much of a flight risk, um, Ben King. So he's my pick at pick four. And Love then it. at pick five, I'm going Max King to St Kilda. Okay. Um, because uh, it, it's an interesting one. I think the Saints, I, I don't know how to read the Saints. Um, they went with Paddy McCartan at pick one, which still bemuses me a little bit in the sense that he was a damn good player, but Christian Petrarca was in that draft. And I thought Petrarca was the best player in that draft by a mile. Yep. Um, so, and he just hasn't, he's had a lot of trouble with his concussion. Yeah. And I'm just not sure what's going to happen in terms of him. I think ideally St. Kilda probably would like Ben King um, to get through. Cause I think they probably need a back more than they need. Uh, sorry. They need a key back more than they probably need key forwards. Cause they've got memory down there as well. But but I think at this point, if one of the Kings are available, they have to take him. Um, so I'm saying it's going to be Max. So again, his ACL hasn't really affected him too much in the sense that he's still going top five um, in my books. So I just think that he fits into their side really well. And again, he'll be he'll be a good player for, for 10 plus years. Um, interesting. This is where it got a bit interesting. So pick six was the Western Bulldogs. Yes. Um, Bailey Smith, 
who rose up the ranks considerably after the carnival, um, was probably in the, the 20s range, 20 to 30, okay. um, but killed it, absolutely killed it, um, was the Vic Metro MVP. Um, his stats, something like WA, 28 disposals, 10 tackles, allies, 26 disposals, Vic Country, 14 disposals, three goals, and South Australia, 22 disposals, six tackles, seven clearances. So you're getting a player that can, that's pretty much ready-made in the midfield. And I think the doggies need that, right? Like they've got Bontempelli, they've got McRae, they've got Hunter, but then I don't really see what comes into their, to their second centre bounce line. They've lost like a that. few, haven't they? Clay Smith, yeah. Toro with the knee. Um, yeah, and Mitch yeah. Wallace looks like he might be going elsewhere, perhaps. So um, I think Bailey Smith is like the best midfielder in the draft at this point in time. So um, I think the dogs would be silly to, to look past him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I've got him there. Uh, next pick is Fremantle at pick seven. Now Freo will most likely go for a WA player. Um, that's kind of just the way that they approach things. They tend to look at local talent and, so they should as well, right? Yeah, so no, this is an in- interesting pick because here I've got Ian Hill and Jordan Clark. But to be honest with you, I've only put them there because they're the best WA players I can see. Now, we might find here that Fremantle recognise that they probably want those players, but they're probably not worth a pick seven. So they might actually take the opportunity to go down the draft and maybe get in an extra pick. So... I reckon it's a watch this space for that pick seven at Fremantle. I actually think that they might look at turning that maybe into two picks around the 11 and, and high teens mark. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I just think that they probably – they want WA boys and they probably don't rate that highly. So they'll use that opportunity maybe to get further up. But if but otherwise, Ian Hill and Jordan Clark are probably the two best WA boys um, there or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then pick eight at the moment is Adelaide. So Jackson Hately, um, really impressive midfielder. Um, he's he's tall mid as well, so he's one ninety centimeters. So um, we know how how good it is to have those tall mids in in our side these days, like Patrick Cripps and Marcus Bondempelli. Oh yeah. So I just think that makes sense. He's a local boy, um, and probably needs to be part of that next group of midfielders coming in as Rory Sloan gets a bit older. Um, you know, Matt Crouch has entrenched himself in there now. I just think that it makes sense for for them to take Hately. Um, but again, with Adelaide, it's a watch this space because I know they're desperate for Jack Lacocious. Yep. Um, so they might try and move up the draft again. Um, well, we can have so Gibbs, been... Betts and Jacobs back to pick one, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I if I do that if I was a Carlton's. No, nah, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. There was yeah, I... with the, uh, <laughs> the road to the draft podcast, and one of the like the Twitter questions that came in was, "Would you do pick one for McGovern, a first round pick and a second round pick?" I don't actually think Adelaide would offer that. I think that's a bit too much for Lacocious. Um, I'd I'd probably would almost McGovern, McGovern round one. And so round it depends. Two. It depends which where your round one pick is and where your round two pick is. But mm. if it's pick eight, then I almost would. Oh, yeah, Carl, it'd be from worth my point of view, I'd do it. I don't know if Adelaide yeah. would that. That's the thing. Yeah, I, I don't think they would either. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, so that that'll be interesting to see. I think they're going to be a big player in in the trade period. Um, so that one's an interesting one. Uh, pick nine. This one's probably going to surprise. So Essendon have pick nine. I've actually gone Luke Valente, who um, was a South Australian captain um, in the carnival, and he's probably not as highly rated by most other like phantom drafts that I've um, read about. But he just his consistency really stood out to me um, across the carnival. And he's a 186 um, size midfielder. So he's a, he's a solidly, um, like he's, he'll be a solid size. And I just think Essendon need a bit more in their engine room. Like they've got Heppel, they've got Merritt. Um, but what are kind of the next guys that are coming through? Parrish, yeah, maybe. But I mean, again, he's been up and down as well. So I think Valente... Um, will be a good pick for them. So that one's an interesting one, but I actually, I rate him quite high. And obviously having that leadership, I think leadership is a really big thing to mm-hmm. kind of look at as well. Yep. Um, like Richmond, we picked, we were fortunate enough to pick Jack Graham at pick 54. Um, and I think Jack, I know for a fact he was the South Aussie captain, but he may even have been picked as the All-Australian captain that year. Mm-hmm. So um yeah like for uh he's he's a he's a gun for for a guy that was picked to pick 54 he's just come along um in leaps and bounds and you can just tell like those the guys that have that leadership they just kind of take to afl a bit better um initially anyway so um i think valente is a a good bet especially for a team like essendon who probably want a player who's going to come in and have an impact because they're going to be a team who's going to be disappointed with the way they've gone this year and um I think he's someone that can probably slot in at some point next year and, and at least have an impact. Um, yeah, so that's pick nine. And then pick 10, this is an interesting one. So uh, I've got Taron Thomas to North Melbourne. Um, I think what will happen here is there's a few guys like Nick Blakey who is uh, tied to the Swans Academy. There'll be a bid for him in the top 10, right? If he If no one bids for him at pick 10, North Melbourne will bid for him at pick 10 because... He's John Blakey's son and they are actually entitled to have him and they probably feel like they've been shafted a little bit by Sydney, the fact that he's picked the Swans Academy over going to them as father-son. Yep. So for the purpose of um, not moving the, the chess pieces around, um, I've said Taron Thomas because he's tied to the North Melbourne Academy and I think, again, having a, a, a bid would have come for Blakey and I think Essendon may keep North Melbourne honest here if they have pick 10 um, and at least make them pay their dues for Taron Thomas, who is a midfielder. He had a disappointing carnival, um, or for the Allies anyway. He actually won the medal for Division 2, the best player in Division 2. Um, but then when he came into the Allies team, probably didn't have as much of an impact as um, most people would have thought. Um, but I don't think that's going to scare scare North Melbourne or, or any clubs um, from from bidding for him, so so that would be my top ten at the moment. But again, things change; bids will come in, um, and you know, Quaynor is another one that someone might bid on him and force Collingwood maybe to pay a bit more. Um, you know, uh, Jai Caldwell. It's going to be interesting to see where he fits into things, having been injured and, and missed a lot of the year. Um, yeah, so there's, there's still a couple there that can swing, in, and there's always one that generally comes comes in um, and Riley West will be an interesting one as well in terms of where the bid comes for him and keeping the Bulldogs honest. Cause I don't think the bid will come before their first pick at six, yep. but I'm not sure where their next, their next pick is off the top of my head, but it will most certainly come 
before their next pick. So, um, yeah, a lot of it's an, this is the first draft, and obviously now with the academies taking, um, well, having been around for a bit longer, um, there's a lot of father sons, uh, next generation academies, and and Swans and Gold Coast and GWS and Brisbane Academy boys that are in that top echelon. So expect a lot of bids. It's going to be an interesting draft because. Bids are going to be flying everywhere, you know. Live trading—it's just going to be—it's going to be fascinating. So, I love that you've put a. Um, uh, I love that you've put a like a watch this space. Like for example, the the Frio pick. Uh, I was going to get you to yeah, put I, a bit of an outsider in there, but you've you've kind of just done it. Yeah, I think I, I think there's a there's a few in there for watch, and even and the my other one would be Saint Kilda because and it's been thrown about in the media a little bit, so I'm not going to say this was my own yep. idea. But someone suggested that St Kilda try and draft the two King brothers um, together. So I don't think that's the worst idea because um, then they could have um, bookends at both ends. They've got the King brothers, so it's, it's not likely they're going to look to go elsewhere in five or six years' time. Mm-hmm. So for them, they might look to, to try and get in a bit earlier into the draft. Um, but... They don't have much to barter with because they've only got pick five and then I think their next pick is in mid-50s. So that'll be um, that'll be an interesting one as well. But yeah, all the teams at the top of the draft, it's always a watch this space because things can move. And we saw last year with Lockie Weller going to um, the Gold Coast for pick two. Um, you know, things, things can happen and it can just change the order quite a lot. So... Um, yeah, it's gonna. It's an interesting draft, and um, hopefully, if if I get another opportunity to come back on either before the draft, by then we should have all the picks where they kind of have yeah, landed, yeah. and I might be able to get a bit further into You're it. You're very so, much um, welcome to to come on again, mate. Um, happy to have you on yeah. anytime. Um, this will uh, this this pod will expand once the season's over um, into into yep. finals, and we'll talk. Yep. General AFL, because obviously I've got yep. not much to talk about uh, with regards to the Blues once the season finishes. Um, it's a bit of a grind <laughs> on this end, mate. We're talking, you know, you, you know you're going to lose. Yeah, it's US tough. And you still have to show up and, and try and find positives. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, you, and that's what you do, right? Like, you just try and – and for you guys, I think the important thing is just get the games into the, the kids that are going to take you forward and find out about the players that yeah. aren't. You know, decisions have to be made in the next three weeks. You might look at, you might look at it and say, well, why is the co- why are the coaches playing this? Well, like he's given us nothing, and it might just be that they need to make a final call. They they probably you know, Sauce probably there looking at the list saying, we know the players that we're going to delist, and then they might be stuck on one or two. Do we give this guy another year? You look at Jacob Townsend last year; he was gone for all money almost three yeah. weeks before the finals, and then comes in and wins he's the flag. A tough, so tough type too. I love the way he goes about it. Yeah, so I mean, there's interesting, and it'll be interesting to see what happens in the trade space as yeah. well. So, actually, yeah, so obviously, yeah. you guys have quite a lot of depth, and you know, the talk on our end's been a lot about do we go after a, a Kane Lambert or you know, one of these kind of because you guys have a lot of what I would call sort of mid tier talent, but you have a lot of them, and they all play within this system. Um, do, do, do you think yep. about some of them who could leave, or do you, do you, you know, is that something you think about? Um, I think we will lose players this year. I don't think we'll lose players that are in our best yep. 22, like a Lam- like a yeah, Lambert yeah. Um, or anyone like that. But I think there might be some on the periphery. Um, guy, like Anthony Miles 
and Sam Lloyd are absolutely dominating at VFL level. And I'd be, and for them, I, I almost want them to leave in the sense that it's unfair for them that they're playing VFL when they are at quality AFL standard yep. players. Um, so I'd, I'd have no qualms in them looking for other opportunities. You know, Corey Ellis, high draft pick, you know, pick 12 from a few years ago, just can't break in. So he's another one that teams might come after. Shea Bolton, who is impressive. He's streaky. He's exciting. He's still a bit raw, but he's been on our list now for two years and hasn't really broken in. And he's a WA boy. So it wouldn't surprise me if maybe either West Coast or Fremantle come knocking, looking at him. So, I mean, as premiers, and that's what happened with Hawthorne, right? And all the, the teams that kind of spend more than a year or two up there, they generally get their depth mm-hmm. rated. Um, and that's the challenge, right? The challenge is to to rebuild through uh, whether it's the draft or to get other players in to play those roles. It's just one soldier in, one soldier out. That's the way it has to yep. be. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Um, all right, Mike. Mate, thank you so much for coming on. Um, Really no worries. I hope it. I didn't um, waffle on too no, much. Not at all. So not at all. I hope I added uh, something to the important exercise for for me to understand a little bit more about the draft, and obviously for the for the blue supporters who who tune in. And um, you know, we need to have a bit of a um, an idea as to what we're looking at. Um, but yeah, it's been been a pleasure, and we'll definitely definitely get you on. I'm not sure what the price is going to be next time. I feel like this is as cheap as we'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's all right, mate. You, you've got you'll you've got 12 months free. I'll give you... <laughs> no, it's been a pleasure, mate. I've actually I've enjoyed it. So um, yeah, wrapped and and I'll um, yeah look forward to to coming on again and and chatting um, yeah in the Fantastic. future. Well, for those listening, if you want to have a look at the Mike's top 10, I'm going to put them up on my. My Scorum page, so scorum.com forward slash at T Degani. I will put the link up on the on my Facebook page. You can have a look there and we will chat soon, Mike. Enjoy. Cheers, mate. I'll, uh, yeah, speak to you soon. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.